going on guys in today's podcast i'm going to discuss um some fantasy stuff but before i get into that i'm going to talk about the uh the fact that the eagles and texans are apparently talks are heating up in regards to deshaun watson so why would this be a smart move for philly well it would only in my opinion be a smart move for philly in the event that they can get him at a discounted price because you don't want to acquire a guy that i mean I think it's pretty obvious. You don't want to pay the farm, if you will, for a guy that's not going to be able to play for you. Because as we've, as I've said all along, basically the floor in terms of Deshaun Watson's, the rest of his career is him never playing pro football again. That's the worst case scenario. So you have to be honest with yourself in regards to what the worst case scenario is. Best case scenario, maybe he's suspended four or five games or whatever, and then back at it because all the women, you know, remove their their appeal or whatever. But when you look at it, man, Philadelphia is not the market to play with in regards to this, because you could see if this guy ends up, I mean, even looking guilty in any way, they're going to destroy him in that market. That is a very, very tough market. The Eagles fans almost, they love their team so much that they hate them, right? So if they're going to be relatively honest if, um, if he is found somewhat guilty. So that to me is, is something to watch. Of course, you know, he's Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback and these are just allegations at this point. So I'm trying to be careful in not acting like I know one way or the other, if he's innocent or guilty. But when you have 22 different, or was it 22 or 24 different people claiming something about you, it's, you know, it definitely at least calls that into question, right? For anybody, even people that know him and love him and, and think that he's the greatest guy on earth, you have to, I mean, even they are probably like, damn, I don't know, 24 people. So it's it's just a rough thing. Um, hopefully that gets resolved because I hope he's innocent. I mean, because I, I think that Deshaun's a great player and, I, and he's very, very young, just entering his prime. So, um, but like in terms of like how it makes sense for Philly, it's got to be at a discounted price. Got to be. Like what I would give up for him right now pretty easily. I'd give up two ones. I think that's even still that it's expensive. I think it's still kind of discounted because when you look at it, Philly acquired, then they acquire a next year one for trading back a few spots. I believe they did. So that, you know, they have some draft capital, so it makes sense. And, and really the interesting thing about this too, is that what if, Deshaun, like, what if they trade for him? And this may be best case scenario for them. Who knows? What if they trade for him and then he's suspended, let's say, for the first 10 games, right? Then Jalen Hurts comes in, plays those first 10 games, plays at an extremely high level. Let's just say he was he's awesome. Then what do you do? I mean, I think it's obvious you'd probably trade Hurts because – unless he's playing at an elite level, like then I think that uh, it'd be difficult to, to, you know, want to trade Deshaun Watson, who's a still would be a more proven commodity in that time. But if Philly's able to do that, right. And Hertz is able to play at a very high level, maybe they can then turn around and trade Jalen Hurts for a first round pick or something. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think that as I've, I've said this before, Philly being in the position that they were in, meaning, not able to get a quarterback this year from their previous draft position, or at least they didn't feel like they could get the guy that they wanted with that spot. And then them trading down and up getting Jalen Waddle, they acquired the next year first. It, it, um, or no, it, the Dolphins, I'm getting Jalen Waddle, sorry. But 
they traded down, acquired a next year first, and then now they're in a perfect position of, hey, let's see what we've got in Jalen Hurts. If it doesn't work out, we have draft capital for next year. If Hurts is the guy, we have draft capital next year to surround him with talent. So I like what they're doing. I think that um, quietly they've done a really good job of building a competitive roster for this year. It's almost like a competitive roster in the event that, you know, these guys are are good, I mean, in, you know, in the event that Jalen Hurts is awesome and all that kind of stuff, they're cheap, right? So if it's not competitive this year, it takes nothing to just allow these one-year contract guys to walk or release some guys that are nearing the end of their their current contracts and stuff like that. So they're in a really interesting spot of being able to either tear the whole thing down after this year if they need to and rebuild or, and they also have the pieces to rebuild as we know at the draft capital, or they can extend some of these guys that are veteran guys if they're competitive this year. So I think it's a it's an interesting spot in Philly. I think they've done a really good job, to be honest. I don't think anybody's really talking about it enough, the job Howie Roseman's done at just building the perfect scenario of a roster in order to go either or direction if you know they're successful or not this year. So we will see. But anyways, let's get into fantasy talk. So the most important thing in fantasy, or not the most important, but I think a very important aspect of fantasy football is you hear this expression a lot, the positive regressions in one way or the other, whether it's, you know, more or I guess the negative regression would be less at a particular um, data point. Today, we're going to talk about rushing attempts in the red zone, because I think that for running back, that's a very important data point, right? I mean, how often are you getting the football in a position where it's easy to score. Not easy. I shouldn't say easy, but you know what I mean. And we're going to talk about carries inside the five-yard line, carries inside the 10-yard line of opponents, of course, and then also inside the 20. So last year, the leading carries uh, inside the five-yard line came went as follows. Dalvin Cook at 22, Ezekiel Elliott at 22, Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Keep in mind, Arizona, right? Who's the running backs in Arizona this year? James Conner and Chase Edmonds. They had Chase Edmonds last year. He didn't really have many. I think he had like three attempts inside the five. So it could be the James Conner show in that regard uh, in terms of he could assume the Kenyon Drake role. And also Kyler Murray had a good amount of red zone uh, inside the five carries as well and just red zone rush attempts as well. So um, Cam Newton had 19 himself. Josh Jacobs had 18 and, and Derrick Henry had 17. So those were your top guys, right? in terms of uh, red zone rushing attempts. I'm sorry, inside the five-yard line. Guys that I think will see a positive regression in rush attempts, so they'll see more than what they saw last year. And uh, this is going to go as follows. James Robinson, he had five touchdowns from inside the five-yard line. He only had five attempts, so he was 100%. He scored every time. And um, inside the 10-yard line, he had 13, didn't have another touchdown there. And then inside the uh, 20 he had two from there. He had uh, a total of seven touchdowns on 30 attempts inside the 20. Um, Antonio Gibson is a guy that I think will likely see more. I think they had Peyton Barber, and he kind of vultured some of those attempts last year. And I I envision, I think it makes sense for Antonio Gibson to see more attempts this year as a true lead back. Antonio Gibson, guys, is a 220-plus pound running back. Like He's not, you know, his skill set is that of a little guy in terms of his receiving ability, but he is far from a little guy. He's a much bigger, chiseled-up dude than most people realize. He's more along the lines of a Le'Veon Bell in terms of build, six foot 220, 
maybe 230 at this point. He's, he's a big dude, right? And he, he has a long frame, so he can kind of carry that weight. But um, when you have, when your running backs are JD McKissick, who's like 5'7, you know, 70 or whatever, 180, 190, somewhere in that range, um, below 200 pounds, and you have Antonio Gibson at 220 plus. I think you know who your red zone running back is going to be, especially when you don't have the guy that uh, took some of those carries last year in Peyton Barber. So Gibson last year was had five touchdowns on 10 attempts inside the five. So that is very efficient, by the way. That's that's up there in terms of efficiency. And he also had two more touchdowns from inside the 10, total of seven touchdowns on 17 carries inside the 10, and he had nine, so two more inside the 20, nine of 29 overall. And um, yeah, so like Antonio Gibson is a guy that if he's able to get the full workload this year, and I know nobody gets the full workload, but what I mean by that is the, let's just call it 70% of the total running back touches, whether it be receptions or carries, if he's able to get that, he's an RB1, you know, because that offensive line in Washington is pretty good anyways, but it's, it should be, at least in theory, it's better than it was last year. Um, Okay. David Montgomery. He should see a positive regression. He had four touchdowns on carries inside the five on 10 attempts. So that's a good ratio in terms of 40% of your you know, carries go for, go for a touchdown there. But it wasn't a ton in terms of attempts, right? And on carries inside the five-yard line, he had five touchdowns on 23 attempts. And then he had two more touchdowns from inside the 20 beyond, t- beyond the 10, though. Overall, he was just 7 of 44 in that regard. It's not a bad number, though. Um, so I think David Montgomery will see more carries than he saw last year in this season. Why? Because number one, he produced last year. He was at, he was like the RB one over the final stretch of games. I can't remember exact the, the exact weeks, but he was up there, um, you know, top running back in fantasy for those, for those final weeks last year. So he produced and that's going to give the coaching staff more confidence to give him more touches. I think that this year, with a rookie quarterback probably starting at some point or another in the season, I think that it makes sense to give Montgomery even more carries to really commit to him even more. So from, uh, from that standpoint, I, I expect David Montgomery to be at least an 18 touch per game guy. When you have that on a team that should have an improved offense overall, and they have pretty good skill players with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and I think Cole Komet's going to be pretty good this year as well. It, should make for a more efficient David Montgomery. And if you're a more efficient David Montgomery with more volume, I mean, the the sky's the limit. And by the way, you can probably get David Montgomery at the top of the fourth round, if not the late third. That's I think that's a really good value. I think that, um, as you saw in my last mock draft, I got him at the top of the fourth round. I'm totally cool with that. And I didn't even want to take him at that spot because I already had Allen Robinson, who I took in the third round. But I couldn't pass up on it. It was too good a value there because him in the fourth round is that he could be a legit RB1. So in my opinion, you just you got to get that guy on your roster if you at that point in the draft. Aaron Jones had only nine attempts inside the five, had four touchdowns on those nine attempts. And um, I think that now he could go either way. I say I put him on this list for positive touchdown regression because I definitely think that's possible. However, I could see, I'm sorry, positive um, red zone rush attempts in terms of inside the five yard line regression. But I think that it's also very much conceivable for AJ Dillon to get all those carries because AJ Dillon is a freak of nature, 230 plus pound 
uh, running back. So he's a much bigger guy than Aaron Jones. So it does make sense for him to be that kind of guy. But I think overall, if we just look at what history tells us, history tells us that the coaching staff is going to, in most cases, trust the veteran over the young guy. I mean, A.J. Dillon has very little NFL experience so far because last year he was third on their depth chart. So I think that um, Aaron Jones could go either way. If I had to bet on it, I'd say he sees a little bit more attempts inside the five-yard line than the nine he saw last year. This guy I feel very comfortable with, this next guy, um, with getting more carries inside the five, and that's Miles Sanders. He only had seven last year. He had three touchdowns on those seven attempts. How did he do otherwise in the red zone? He had four total touchdowns, so one more inside the 10-yard line, and he went four of 24 in terms of touchdowns to attempts inside the 20. So I think that the the carries inside the five, you know, the three touchdowns on seven attempts is a pretty good ratio, a very good ratio, actually. And I think that Miles Sanders, it makes a ton of sense for him to have more carries in that regard. However, I don't think his number, I think his number is capped in some regards because uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be a guy that you're going to want to give the uh, give carries to inside the five-yard line because he's such a good runner. He's very Cam Newton-esque. He's not as big or powerful as Cam Newton, but he is very much a uh, an effective runner in that regard. And he's a young quarterback. So when you have a young quarterback, like you, you a lot of times want to allow them to run the football like the one. And that's also what's kind of hurting James Robinson as well, where James Robinson, I still think will will have more attempts inside the five than what he had last year, which is five. But I think that Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to have some quarterback powers and, and different kind of run plays from that part of the football field as well. So James will be somewhat capped in that regard as well. But I think that James Robinson and Miles Sanders should at least be in the 12 carry range from inside the five. I mean, that's conceivable. Obviously, some of this, when you talk about, you know, trying to project carries from inside the five, some of that is almost dumb luck, right? Like, I mean, if, if a guy steps out of bounds at the four before he puts the ball across the pylon it, three times in a year, then you, you might get a, pretty decent increase in terms of your rushing attempts inside the five. But um, overall, I think that we can project some of these things, at least in some regards. Um, Chris Carson, this guy was had two touchdowns from inside the five on six attempts. So you think about Carson, right? 220, 230 pound, just bulldozer of a running back. And you think about the fact that Seattle has a pretty decent offensive line, or what looks like that to be this year in terms of especially run blocking. So you would imagine Chris Carson's going to see more carries in that part of the football field. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think Seattle overall this year is going to run the football a little bit more. I think they're going to be a little bit like the old Seattle. When I mean old Seattle, I'm talking about 2019, 2018. And before, I think they're going to be right in that 30 to 35 carries a game kind of uh, style of attack. So I think that Chris Carson will definitely see if he, as long as he stays healthy, of course, he'll see about 12 to 15 carries inside the five, in my opinion. Um, Some notable ones I want to talk about, and um, this one's not necessarily good, right? Ezekiel Elliott had 22 attempts. I mentioned he was, he was up there in terms of the guys that led the, um, that led in terms of, carries inside the five. He was tied for first with Dalvin Cook for most attempts inside the five-yard line. However, Ezekiel Elliott was five of 22, five touchdowns on 22 attempts inside the five-yard line, where if you look at Dalvin Cook, he was eight of 22. You know, it doesn't seem like a huge difference, but percentage-wise, that's a pretty significant um, difference. I mean, he's he's almost at 40%, whereas Zeke is down at below 25%. Um, 
Zeke also had 32 total attempts inside the 10-yard line. He only had he didn't have any touchdowns uh, in that part of the field, and then he had uh, one touchdown from inside the 20, but after the 10, so six of 45 total in that regard. And oh, by the way, there's a dude named Tony Pollard that, in a very small sample size, I, albeit had two touchdowns on three carries inside the five-yard line. So I think that when you look at that and you combine that with the fact that the last two years we've seen Tony Pollard, again, in smaller sample sizes, be a guy that has broken tackles at a higher uh, percentage rate than Zeke, has also um, had more yards after contact than Zeke in back-to-back years. So I think that Tony Pollard's season could be among us. And I think that, um, look, Zeke could easily still be that guy. I don't mean to sound disrespectful to him, but I, it's a combination of two things for me. I was very high on Tony Pollard coming out of the draft. I thought he was, uh, I, I called him a, a poor man's Alvin Kamara, but maybe just a light, slightly lesser version of Alvin Kamara from a skill set standpoint. He also kind of reminds me of Aaron Jones in that Mike McCarthy offense or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that, so I like Pollard, and I also think that Zeke has just had a ton of, of workload right over the years of his career so i think that it's conceivable to imagine that he continues to kind of uh, slowly decline in terms of overall effectiveness and that that happens uh, more so this year i think tony pollard is, is trending in an opposite manner where he's getting more confident he's getting he's getting better the game is continuing to slow down somewhat for him at the pro level so i think that those two things if they continue to go in the path that they're going could lead to a more uh, productive Tony Pollard and the less productive Ezekiel Elliott, especially at that first round price tag. That's where I get a little iffy on Zeke. Um, other notable ones, Platt Edwards E. Lair. He was one of nine on rush attempts inside the five yard line, was one of 15 overall inside the 10, and he was three of 28 inside the 20. So the good thing for him is he did have two touchdowns from uh, that 11 yard to 20 yard range. And that's not that easy to do, right? I mean, that's a condensed part of the football field in its own right. So that's good. But we definitely need to see an improvement from Clyde in that regard. And I think that we will see an improvement uh, because it's just year two, and that's a reasonable projection to make. I also think that uh, more carries in that regard makes sense as well because, again, it's year two, more trust from the coaching staff. You have so much to worry about in terms of, like, defending the pass, even at that part of the field for Kansas City. So I think that Clyde is a guy that um, should be better in that regard this year. Something interesting for the Rams, right? Daryl Henderson, who's got about a fifth or sixth round ADP right now, obviously taken over for the injured Cam Akers, should be the lead back there in Los Angeles. He was four of nine inside the five-yard line last year. Cam Akers was one of eight. So Daryl was, um, he saw one more carry in, in that in that part of the field. And he also was far more effective. Now, I know that's a small-ish sample size. So it's not like, you know, we can determine that he's just a ton better than Cam Makers, But we can say that he was more effective last year in what sample size it was. So just that's something to keep in mind. Um, I like Henderson at his price tag. I really do. I think he's clearly the best running back in uh with acres out in Los Angeles. So I like Daryl Henderson a lot. That is for the Rams. I shouldn't say in Los Angeles because you got Austin Eckler over there who will beg the differ. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones each were five of eight inside the five yard line, but inside the 10 Rojo was six of 21 Fournette five of 12. So Fournette only saw 12 attempts inside the 10 um, and uh, Rojo saw 21. So I think that's slightly, you know, if you were kind of looking at 
who do I go with of Rojo or Fournette? I think that is an interesting case to be made in terms of like, you know, making the case for Rojo in that regard. Also, Ronald Jones is entering a contract year and I always try to um, pursue guys that I think have talent entering contract years because that just makes sense. Jonathan Taylor was uh, six of 12 on carries inside the five yard line. So that's a decent amount of attempts, especially for a rookie. Right. And um, he was, let's see, nine of 25 inside the 10 yard line. So from the six to the 10, he had three more touchdowns and then inside the 20. So from the 11 to the 20, he had not, he was nine touchdowns on 47 attempts. And um, that's a pretty decent ratio. It's not bad or whatever. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to quantify like, attempts from you know from the 11 to 20 in terms of ratio per touchdowns per carry or whatever but i think that overall jonathan taylor showed us enough to where we should feel pretty damn good about his overall effectiveness um in terms of a red zone ball carrier so most touchdowns inside the five yard line last year it went as follows Kenyon drake had nine on 21 attempts alvin kamara guys was insanely efficient he had nine touchdowns on 12 attempts. Okay, that's that's completely insane. I mean, it's like 70, it's a 75% um, success rate in terms of touchdowns from carries inside the five yard line. It's just bonkers. That's, um, he also had 14, so five more on carries inside the 10 from the six to 10 yard line on 28 attempts. So he was still 50% in that regard. And then he had 15, so he had one more inside the, uh, from the 11 to the 20. Um, Cam Newton was a guy that, as I mentioned earlier, was up there in terms of, I think he was third in terms of carries inside the five-yard line, had nine touchdowns, so right around almost at 50% in that regard. And that's another reason, guys, that I really like Cam Newton this year because when you look at it, right, that offense, he is, when they get to that part of the football field, he is definitely the most dangerous uh, guy to have the football. Like, that's the most dangerous play call in terms of, like, what the Patriots can run with cam newton at the helm so when, when they get to that part of the field i expect more cam newton rush attempts i think that that's very much a possibility for damian harris to benefit from teams um overplaying the quarterback run at that part of the field and maybe he is a more efficient more volume kind of red zone ball carrier this uh, this year but i definitely think cam will still eat in that regard i mean he was just i mean he still had he had another let's see another 13 attempts inside the from the six to the 10 yard line he scored two more touchdowns on those and he had from from the 11 to the 20 yard line he has enough he had another touchdown there so 12 total red zone rushing touchdowns for cam newton last year which is completely not the norm for a quarterback so that's pretty impressive derrick henry was next with eight touchdowns inside the five on 17 attempts so right at that 50 percent range he had another three on from the six to the 10 yard line with 11 of 35 total in that regard. And then he had two more after the 11, but before the 20 or inside the 20 and um, on 59 total attempts. So Derrick Henry, I think that we can all agree he's at, if anything, he'll see more carries in that regard in, in terms of red zone rushing attempts. So Derrick Henry, nothing to worry about there. Uh, JK Dobbins was interesting. He had seven touchdowns on runs inside the five yard line on eight attempts, seven of eight. So, he was incredibly efficient in that regard. And I think that he will be that much again this year. Now he won't be seven of eight type of efficient, but I think that he will see more volume. And I think he'll still be pretty damn efficient because that Ravens offensive line, and I know they lost Orlando Brown, but they could still, in my opinion, be a better unit this year because they were without Staley last year, uh, Ronnie Stanley. So 
I think that it makes sense for them to be overall a better unit in terms of what they've added and, th- and stuff like that. So J.K. Dobbins had one additional touchdown from the 6 to the 10-yard line, and then he also had um, no touchdowns from the 11 to 20. Dalvin Cook had eight touchdowns last year on 22 attempts, but he had another four from the 6 to the 10-yard line and then one more from the 11 to the 20. So um, overall, I think that what we've learned from this is that there are some guys that we can – we can confidently project a, bit, a bigger role of the um, short yardage goal line situations earlier. DeAndre Swift, by the way, was also extremely efficient in that regard, as I mentioned, I believe yesterday. I think it was like six of 13 on carries inside the five. So if he gets that role um, this year with the new with the new coaching staff or whatever, then he should be a pretty damn good fantasy option considering what he should do as a receiver as well. Um, real quick, I'm going to talk about a couple things I'm going to do this week. I'm going to just kind of so you guys can know what's coming. I'm going to do a my running back rankings and my wide right receiver rankings. I'm going to try and do the quarterback and tight end as well, but I might do that next week. But this week, I'll definitely have out for you the um, 13 through 24 in terms of running backs and receivers. And I'll also let you know where the changes were made because of injury, unfortunately, to Michael Thomas at the receiver spot and then to Cam Akers at the uh, running back spot or whatever on the top 12 guys. So that's what's coming up. And then and then I'm not sure if I'll do another mock draft this, this uh, week. Let me know if you guys want one. And also let me know if you do want one, kind of like what the what the one variable we're going to change this week will be. So anyways, if you're enjoying the pod, leave a review on Apple, share it with a friend, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.